This is PhotoBizX, episode number 549, and today we are talking with a photographer who doesn't like kids, doesn't want to photograph pets, had a go at wedding photography, and was looking to build a lifestyle business, something that would allow him to live the life that he wants, travel when he wants, bring in the clients when he wants, and make fantastic sales. That's when he discovered and moved into boudoir photography. He built his very own studio on his property outside of town. He's doing same-day sales, averaging $3,000 per client and bringing in upwards of 100 clients per year. I think no matter what genre your focus is, there are going to be a ton of takeaways from our special guest, who is Richard Grenfell. And if that name is familiar, he has appeared on the podcast a few times in the past mainly associated with the Coaching Diary series of podcast episodes. And I know you're going to love what he shares today. That interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here, host of the Photo Biz X podcast, where I interview guests from around the world to help you build a better photography business, even faster than going it alone. And after that long, long intro, I hope that you are excited to stick around and hear the interview with Richard. He has a classic Aussie sense of humor, which I know you're either going to love or hate. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking love because uh, he's a real character. Uh, he calls it like it is the way he sees it. And it might not be exactly the way you think about things, but there is no denying he knows how to run a business. He knows how to build a successful business. And he shares an absolute ton in the interview shortly. Before we do get into that, if you didn't catch last week's episode with Trina Julius, it was part two of a two-part series, if you like, on kindergarten or kindy photography or preschool photography. There are all different terms for that genre of photography, but basically Trina goes into daycare centers or preschools and photographs the kids of the school for profit. She's very, very good at it. She has a successful business. She also has training on how to help you do that more effectively if it's a genre that you want to explore or build up yourself. So definitely go back and have a listen to that interview. And it was the follow-up after the interview with Tracy Mock a couple of weeks before. Tracy has now built a six-figure business, well, a six-figure part of her business focused on kindy photography in addition to their wedding and portrait business after following what Trina teaches. So again, get back and have a listen to both those interviews if you are at all inclined to introduce or you want to improve your kindergarten or preschool photography. If you are hearing this episode the day it goes live, you'll know that it's a day later than usual, and that is because I was away in Adelaide last week for the Tour Down Under. It's a big world tour cycling event, a week-long stage race. Cyclists from all over the country and overseas come to see the race, and I go there with a bunch of mates, go riding every day, watch the race, and just generally have a great time down there cycling, eating, drinking, and being surrounded by other like-minded cyclists. It was a great week away. How does this fit in with a photography business podcast? Well, I was at an expo, well, they had an expo down there at the Tour Down Under, which I was visiting uh, most days. I would say I was in, inside the, the village and the actual expo was just like any other expo, like a, a home expo, a wedding expo, 
a pet expo. And it was interesting walking around the expo, seeing how the different people on the different stands, the different business owners or salespeople were engaging with the cyclists walking around the displays. I've got to tell you, some guys, some people, some salespeople were absolutely fantastic and others were just terrible. And you could see the ones that were terrible because there was no one at their stands, even if they had fantastic products or they weren't there for very long. And I experienced this myself and it was so obvious who the good salespeople were because they would come in and lead with a question unrelated to their products. And it was a question that required an answer from me. It was generally related to cycling and it immediately got me into a conversational mood with someone who was interested in my views. And it could be as simple as, you know, where did you ride today? Or what are you planning for your ride tomorrow? Which is your favorite climb in Adelaide? Have you done any group rides? Which ones do you recommend? I've got the day off tomorrow. Where should I go? You know, things like that. And immediately, you know, you're drawn into a conversation and next thing they're leading me to talk about their products. You know, you know why did you stop at this stand? Or are you using our products already? And then it went from there. So, you know, if you are attending an expo, I think that is a great way to engage potential clients, not have them on the back foot and have them engage with you immediately. Now, it's been a while since I've done one. I have admitted I hate doing expos myself. Linda and the staff here at Impact Images were amazing. The girls that we used at the expos were amazing at engaging with clients. It's something that made me squirm. But I think if I had have known the things that I do now, I would be so much better and more comfortable doing it. So I guess the message is if you go to these expos, take a note of what the exhibitors are doing, which ones you engage with, which ones you don't, and uh, take note. The other couple of quick cool things I want to mention, uh, I did make a couple of purchases and uh, some of the businesses had the little square pads that you, you know, tap and pay for, pay for your uh, products with your phone. One of, the, one of the businesses had their phone as the square, uh, I don't know, what do, you, what do you call it, the module? Uh, so they didn't, need a, they didn't need a separate piece of hardware. The phone was what I actually tapped my phone on to pay for the product. Now, I don't know if this is brand new to Australia. It's the first time that I've seen this. It might be already available where you live. But yeah, I think if you're going to be doing things off-site, making sales off-site, then this would be something I would be 100% looking into, you know, utilizing your phone to actually take payments as opposed to having to have a separate piece of hardware that, you know, is plugged into your laptop or needs power. It's just another thing you need to take. So, yeah, being able to do that on the phone was fantastic. And the last thing I do want to mention is the, the cafes that were down there in Adelaide. Some of them were so much better at bringing in the cyclists and making them feel welcome. And you know, one, one classic example is we were in a busy arcade down at Glenelg on the coast in Adelaide. We were looking for a cafe and because our bikes are expensive, we wouldn't have them close by. And there isn't always somewhere easy to store them. This particular cafe owner, he could see us looking around and we, he knew that you know, we had expensive bikes. We wanted to be close to them uh, so that they wouldn't be stolen. And you know, he immediately said, hey guys, come over here. You can store your bikes in the shop. It's not a problem job done you know he had 10 guys immediately come and park their bikes uh, where he wanted us to park them and we all bought breakfast and it was so simple and i'm sure there are ways that we can apply this to our own photography businesses you know just making it easy for people to buy from us i know recently i was talking to a photographer and her name escapes me but she specializes in photographing or she advertises the fact that she's happy to photograph kids 
with intellectual or physical disabilities. That's one of her specialties. And I mean, wow, that is such a great way to make it easy for families that do have a child with some kind of uh, disability or issues to feel safe and looked after and know that that photographer will be able to actually look after them and give them what they want. And that's just one little example. I'm sure there are thousands of others where we could make it easy or easier for clients to buy from us, to remove the obstacles that they might have in their heads that would prevent them from booking a session with us. Anyway, there were three quick things that stood out to me. And I think it's always interesting to be out there shopping in the community, doing things, looking and, and, and taking notice of what other business operators are doing to make it easy for us to buy from them or, or just the opposite and making it difficult to buy from them and then incorporating the good things into our own businesses. If you, if you have any ideas on this, I'd love to read about it. If you're a premium member, let's talk about this inside the members Facebook group. And if you're listening to the free version of the podcast, feel free to add a comment under the show notes and let me know your thoughts on that topic. You're listening to Photo Biz Exposed with your host, Andrew Helmich. Just before we jump into this interview with Richard, if you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you will not hear the full interview today with Richard. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. The good news is you can access it for as little as $1 with a 30-day trial membership over at photobizx.com forward slash try. And the reason I do that is this podcast would not exist without the premium members. It's your support as a premium member, if you become one, that keeps the podcast alive, that enables me to record these interviews, attract the guests, and ask them the kind of questions that will help you grow your business. You've probably noticed there are no ads, there are no advertisers. We can say and do whatever we like on the podcast because it's all supported by you, the listener. And again, without your support, the podcast would not exist or it would be filled with a ton of horrible ads that would make listening to the podcast an absolute nightmare. So if you do love what you hear and you would like to hear more, the best parts from every guest, if you'd like access to the members' Facebook group, if you'd like access to the discount and promo codes for the courses, there are so many courses there now. You'll hear Richard refer to a couple in this interview. Come and check it out for a dollar with that 30-day trial and see exactly what you're missing out on every single week photobizx.com forward slash try for more details on that. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest has featured on the podcast a couple of times in conjunction with the Coaching Diary series from a couple of years ago. He started working with photography business coach Steve Saparito after shutting down what was a long-running and successful pawnbroking or money-lending business in Queensland, Australia. He moved into a shopfront studio at the time and was focusing on serving local families with his new photography business, and he had high expectations. I believe it was 12 months or so later when there were issues with the leased shopfront and he was facing a move, something he wasn't crazy about. And instead of moving, he had a purpose-built studio constructed on his property outside of town. He's also changed his photography focus from families to headshots and boudoir, and he's averaging just over $3,000 per client. His next big plan, to work six months and take another six months off to travel and live overseas. I'm looking forward to learning more about what sounds like anything but a boring existence as a working photographer. I'm talking about Richard Grenfell, and I'm happy, or I should say rat, to have him back with us now. 
Richard, welcome, mate. G'day, Andrew. How are you going? <laughs> good, mate. Good. Mate, it sounds like uh, life has not been boring. Tell me, tell me about the new studio. Is it actually on your property at home? Yeah, that's right. So as you mentioned, really long story short, we got asked to leave where we were. The reason being is that council resumed the land that the property was on, the place I was leasing. And what happened, mate, was that was during COVID. And we had this weird instance up here where a lot of uh, businesses from the cities were moving to regional areas like the Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast, Delhi Beach, all over the place, I imagine. And there was nothing to lease. I'm not exaggerating when I'm saying there was nothing to lease except for complete garbage on the first floor of the oldest main road in the world, you know what I mean, without without an elevator and that type of thing. So after a lot of teeth gnashing, we decided to build one on our property, which I didn't want to do and certainly Tracy, my wife, wasn't keen on. You know, she wasn't keen on having people here. But we did it and it's fine. We built the studio. It's about 50 metres from our house. We put in a separate gate, a separate driveway, a little car park, and we've been here. We opened it on uh, exactly on the 1st of November last year. So we've been here just a tick over one year. Wow, okay. So when you decided to do that, like what happened to the photography business? Did it just go on hold or did you go and shoot on location? Did you hire a studio space? Pretty much, mate. Like So in that period, so I completely underestimated how long it would take to build this because, <laughs> again, during COVID there was massive problems, you know, getting builders and tradesmen. And so we moved out, I can't remember the exact month, but I think it was in – March or something like that. And then we, I had visions of opening in 1st of July, which blew out to be the 1st of November. So in that period of time, I just stuffed around. I went on location doing headshots, joined B&I, just loitered around there. But I didn't do really any portraiture. I did a little bit sort of on location, but not much. And I just sort of queued up uh, shoots for when we opened. And actually when we opened, I, the plumbing wasn't even done. But I thought, no, nah, I'm opening because I already booked everything. And so I actually went and purchased one of those chemical toilets, you know, the ones you stick in RVs, <laughs> and I had that in the studio, which was fine, but unfortunately I was carrying sewerage up to our house and dumping it in the septic tank. So that wasn't much fun, but we got there in the end, and I just made a joke of it. and Everyone thought it was funny, and I still get comments to this day like, have you fixed that toilet yet? You know, from the ladies that have been in, so it was, it was all good. It's so just, good. You know, sometimes you just got to get on. Yeah, unreal, unreal. So like when you decide to build a studio on your property, do you go into that like thinking, okay, this is going to be a permanent structure. Do I build it like, you know, it can be converted to a garage or do you go all in and say, no, this is a studio, we're building a studio here? Yeah, no, we built a studio. So what we did was we actually built a hundred, we got a 130 metre square shed built uh, it doesn't look like a shed. It's like it's on stumps, like on, um, I don't know. Oh, it's raised. Think, international. Yeah, it's raised. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at it from the front, it really doesn't look like a shed. And then we got it all lined and, you know, and we got all rooms put in and everything like that, put a kitchen in. So you come, it's actually way nicer than our house. It's pretty good. I'll send you some photos of it or video of it later on if you like so you can put it in the just to get an idea of what it looks like visually. It's hard to imagine until you see it, but it's, it's really nice, yeah. Right, and then were you concerned about clients, you know, driving out? Like how far out of town is the property? All right, so the main town where we are is, so the, the main city, it's actually a city these days, is about 20 minutes drive on the Sunshine Coast. We're about 10 minutes off the highway, okay? So where we are, um, the major capital city is about an hour and a half away. 
it's actually closer now off the highway for our Brisbane clients than where we were in the sense that chopping through the traffic, going to those main areas in southeast Queensland in general is a is a genuine nightmare. So it's actually easier now for people to get here. But I was very worried about that when I did it, Andrew. I was just like, oh, Jesus Christ, I hope I'm not, you know, I hope I don't have an error of judgment, but it's it's worked out really well. Unreal. That's so good. When did you form the idea of transitioning out of families and why did you make that decision to transition away from families and focus on boudoir and headshots? That's a good question. So I drifted into boudoir accidentally, which sounds really strange, but I was doing this, uh, I did this project where I was photographing women with tattoos and then the inevitable thing happens is they've got them on their back and between their, you know, on their chest and things like that. And then what I found was that I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm pumping up my own tires, but I found I was really good at it. Good at it in the sense, you know, whether the photography is good is questionable for anyone, I guess. But what I found was that I was really good with these women. And so I started drifting. And I had to talk Tracy into it. That's my wife, sorry, who's my partner, uh, business partner. She's been my business partner for over 20 years. And then, because I was still doing pets and farting around with things like that, but I guess the thing was that I found that that's what I enjoyed, that's what I was good at, and that's where I was getting good sales. To be truthful, I don't think it's necessarily a really good choice because it's a harder genre to book in some cases. If I was smart, I'd, I'd continue to do families and things like that because there's just more of them. There's more people willing to be photographed. So it's very niche, as you'd be aware, but I really like that. That's the reason that I did it, because mainly because I enjoy it. Yeah, that's the main reason. Nice. Yeah. So when you said you were doing the project with the tattoos, was that a, like a book project? Was it a calendar project? Was it a competition? Was this a way to generate leads? Just a way to generate leads. I just advertised in a typical model call style ad, you know, wanted, looking for, whatever, all the same things. It's just a way of getting people in the studio, yeah. I just thought, I'll give it a go, you know what I mean? Because where I was in the Lullabar, there was a weight loss place and there were a lot of people with, tattoos and you know personalized number plates the other more outgoing people so i thought oh, i'll advertise for those people see what i can drag them through the door and that's sort of how it started so yeah yeah so good so okay so you make the decision and then so what do you do you stop advertising for families altogether because you're not enjoying it as much and then focus on the boudoir yeah it sucks i hate family photography it's hideous <laughs> No, when I say I hate it, I hate it. So, like, do you need the money from photography or are you just doing it for fun? Like, is it purely, is it a hobby or a business? This? Yeah. No, it's a business. No, it's a real business. Like, well, we just sent out the Christmas cards, which, I, which I'll which shout out to Tracy because I always make a big deal out of it and say, oh, we've got to send the Christmas cards out and she's the one who does it all. <laughs> and we did over 100 shoots this year, so, you know, just in boudoir. So it was a pretty good year, yeah. Yeah, can't complain. I mean, because the reason I ask is I know you're a business person. You know business. I mean, you've operated the, the pawnbroking business for a long time. That was successful. I know you've done other things as well. And you just said, if I was smart, I would continue to photograph families and probably pets. Oh, right. So, I mean, so why not push yourself to do that if it's only about the business? Or is it more about enjoying what you're doing? Oh, I see what you mean. No, no. I sort of got to the point, mate. I've been in business for so long. I'm sick of doing things I don't want to do anymore. Do you know what I mean? And what I've actually learned to see, the thing is that my previous business experience was like you said in pawnbroking, which is just a way, it's really just a term for lending money. That's what we did. You know, we lent money against goods. We did personal loans. We had an Australian credit license. We did second mortgage lending. We did all sorts of stuff. And so we were very, very, very percentage based, you know, like it was very, 
uh, how can I put it? Like, so you would know what you were going to make based on what you're lending. Okay. So, and then prior to that, we had an IT company, which was another very transactional business. It was client based, but it was very transactional. Like you go out and do it by the hour, you'd sell stuff and you'd mark it up, whatever, and, you know, 30% or whatever, and whatever it was back then. And that was how it worked. So this is very different. And I put a lot of study into boutique businesses because business actually really interests me. And what I've learned is that, in my opinion, you need to be two things. This is just my opinion, right? You need to specialize in what you like doing. Otherwise, the language doesn't work. You make bad faces when clients come in, all that sort of stuff. And you need to be a luxury brand. You know, if you're not a luxury brand, if you're wallowing in the middle and worse down the bottom, it's just a recipe for disaster. You're just going to go broke. You're competing with everyone else in the world. And so, so now we offer, I mean, when I say a luxury experience, we offer a genuine luxury experience for these women when they come in. And it's, it's very enjoyable. And it's very rewarding. You know, like you should read some of the testimonials. Like I'll, I'll send you one. I have. I've seen some on your website. I mean, they're beautiful. They are lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very rewarding. Whereas, you know, I, Tracy said to me, why are you persevering with kids? You fucking hate kids. And <laughs> she's right. I, well, I say kids, little kids. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. they come in, they peel all the paint off the walls. And it's just, a, <laughs> it's just, it's not for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in fact, yeah. So it's just not for me. So, so like when I was doing dogs and dogs was great and I really enjoyed that. But then I came to the conclusion that. That while I love dogs, well, we've always had dogs, you know what I mean? And we're dog people and, you know, they live in the house, all that sort of stuff. But I'm not on the same level as a genuine dog nerds. You, you know, like, um, and the pet photographers would be aware of this, guys like Paul Taddy and guys like that, you know, he's a dog nerd. You know, he loves them, you know what I mean? And God bless him. But, like, we don't give our dogs birthday parties and we don't, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's a different thing. So You're not a doggy daddy. I'm not. No, I just walk my dog every day, you know, and he's, he's awesome. But that's kind of where we draw the line. And I've got nothing against dog people, you know, whatever. So basically that's where we landed. And I'm very comfortable in the genre, and it does show through. You know, like you get, in my opinion, you develop some momentum. You naturally start generating referrals, all that sort of stuff. I think there is something to be said, stick to what you like. I really do. And like, I don't think uh, people may disagree with me, but I think if you get into genres because you hear there's money and it just doesn't work, you know what I mean? Whereas my mate Nick, who's on your uh, Nick Buddy, Buddy Gee, last name. Sorry, Nick, if you're listening, um, he's a family legend. He just bangs a man. You know what I mean? He's just like he's just banging out like six on a Saturday, and he's just just killing it. And I look at him, going, "Man, it looks so easy, just banging out six sessions in a day." But then I think, uh, you got to photograph kids, and it all sucks." And so <laughs> you know, so that's a long way of saying that's how we arrived to do that. Yeah. Got it. So does that? Yeah, no, it does. Do I have a question? It does. And look, yeah, cool. I know it's a fully, it's a serious business, obviously. I mean, you said you photographed 100 women or boudoir clients. You're averaging $3,000 a client. I mean, that's that's already, I mean, that's a $300,000 business. That's amazing. Already, that's without headshots or anything else. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I can tell it's serious. So tell me then, so, okay, you decide to focus on boudoir clients. How do you attract them? Is it the same way as families? Do you run your Facebook ads looking for wanted yeah, I do, mate. Yeah. So it's really no different than anyone else. So a few things is one, we're getting a lot of, we're starting to generate referrals, which is awesome because they're obviously your best lead. I mean, everyone knows that. The second thing is Tracy. So Tracy's my wife. So she's really well known and famous in the area because she's been involved in sport for so long. In fact, I often joke that if this was a marginal seat, she could win the election. You know what I mean? She's out there. Like, I won't go shopping with her because I go out with Trace. 
and she's shaking hands, waving, kissing babies, patting people on the back. You know what I mean? She just knows everyone. And so through her association with netball, we are generating a lot of interest there. The other way we're doing it is I, my friend Justin Harris in the UK, who's a beautiful photographer, he's awesome, he shamed me into starting a Facebook group. And I thought, no, no, no. So anyway, I did that. I started a Facebook group and then we just invited everyone into there and uh, we're getting bookings from there as well. I mean, you've had podcast guests on before who have talked about that. But the more important thing with the group is it actually firms up the bookings. You get them to join the group in the lead up and in, in addition to all, all your correspondence so they don't chicken out and not come in. You get them into the group and you're putting behind the scenes stuff in there and that type of thing, that, that just increases your chance of them not bailing. And then also just regular Facebook advertising in the usual ways, you know, like discounted, you know, or you get all this for a hundred bucks or, you know, you do a, um, you know, a model call style ad or whatever. And yeah, that's how we get them in. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Let me pick those little things apart there. So, you know, you talk about how popular Tracy is and how well known she is in the area. And then you mentioned netball and her association there. So what is she out there, you know, talking you up and talking about the ladies that have been in? Like, how is she getting, or how is she utilizing her association with those women to get you bookings? She's not. Right. So Tracy is very, um, very low key. Like, so her, the worst, her worst night would be selling or, um, talking, you know, that's just, I promise you, man, that's not her cup of tea at all. It's more just attraction, you know, like it's attraction rather than promotion. So the ladies will see, for example, I actually make an effort to post something to my regular Facebook thing every day and Instagram and every day to the group. And these women will come up and just start a conversation with Tracy and Tracy, oh, look, I saw those photos of whoever, and that's how those conversations will start. So she doesn't she doesn't actively promote it at all. She would much rather dig a hole and line it than, than do that, I would think. <laughs> got it, got it. Okay, right. So it's really just being out there in the community and, and talking about the fact that that's what you're doing and people are seeing people they know. Yeah, correct. So what about the Facebook group? I mean, you did say and you mentioned and it's true that I have interviewed other photographers that have Facebook groups, particularly boudoir photographers, but my memory serves me right. There's nearly always women. So are you in there running that group or is Tracy in there helping manage it? No, no, I run it um, and I'm the only dude in there. It's fine. Aren't they talking about lady stuff, women stuff, where, you know, like no men, no men allowed? Yeah. 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 Like I'm a, um, I'm like a honorary woman at the moment. That group. <laughs> it's pretty good. They just give me shit, a whole lot of them. Like, because, um, see, when women come in, I actually show them how to do all the poses, right? Which is kind of funny because I'm an overweight, middle aged dude. You know what I mean? And so just, all these women just, it's just, it's like having, 300 older sisters or something. It's bad news. Um, so that's not a problem for me personally. That was one of the reasons I didn't want to start it. But again, my friend Justin, he said, no, you should just do it, man. And it's all worked out. Yeah. So that's fine. Yeah. Do you have to keep the conversation going in there? Like are you posting daily and trying to yeah. encourage the chatter? Yes. I post in there every day. If I can't think of anything to post, I just post a dumb meme or something like that, something funny. But it's taken about a year, but it's starting to really get going now. Like I'll screenshot you some posts because they're not secret. They've put these posts into Google reviews as well. So I would never dream of betraying any trust or anything like that. But it's really starting to really get like women expressing their gratitude and things like that. It's really nice. It's really good. Yeah. It's a good bunch of people. Yeah. And so are you the only admin or do you have other women that post in there a lot? You make them an admin and have them take some ownership of the group? No, just me. Yeah, right. Just me and the other women posting. Yeah. It's really simple. I just, 
once a week I feature. I, I think one of the things you got to do, I'd actually recommend a group for any photographer. Like if you're a family photographer, just start a group. Seriously. Like if you're a dog photographer, just start a group. If you're a whatever, you know, and just, you know, and if you can't think of anything to post, which is always my big problem, just post dumb memes, you know, something that's funny, but, you know, and that seems to work. But the one thing I do is I do post a client. I do, I do feature a client every single week, like on a Tuesday. Why a Tuesday? I don't know. It's just that's the day I started doing it. And I'll post like a before picture. Just I always, I, I've gotten more discipline. I actually take a photo now before they start. I usually used to forget. So I have that just before photo. And it's not an unflattering photo. You know, it's not deliberately unflattering, but it's just a before, a bunch of other photos and their stories. So I tell them, uh, I, I, so I make it story based. So what I try and do is I try and make them the hero and me as the guide, which is kind of that story brand thing. So I don't ever try and get into that thing of like, fuck, we're awesome. You know what I mean? That's sort of not what we're about. It's more about like, you know, she came in, she was really nervous and this is how she looked and this is how she feels now and, and give her some love, lady. She's incredible. And they all try, oh, well done. You look amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Cause women are really kind as a rule. If, if, but if there weren't any kind women, I'd just boot them out. But that hasn't happened yet. Uh, yeah, so uh, I think it's worth doing that if you've got a group to feature, you know, if you, it doesn't matter what genre you do, I wouldn't think. You know, feature a couple or a dog or whatever once or twice a week and make sure you tell a story. Don't just show photos. People will engage in a story because, uh, you know, there's eight billion photos in the world that everyone sees every day. So in my opinion, it needs to be story-based. Yeah, yeah. So you post the story and then you obviously you need to have some numbers in the group to get that response. So when you first started, like you were putting it off, you said you were putting it off and your mate said, go ahead and do it. So when you initially started that group, did you have five women in there, 10 women? Did you have 100? Like, how did you start? Yeah, I started with like 10 or 20. Okay, so pretty small numbers. I started inviting people I thought would join, you know, just personal friends. And what I do do is when someone books in for a shoot, they get an automatic email as part of the sequence, inviting them to the group. So that's where the new members come from. I don't know whether I should do it or not, but I haven't actually done like a mass invite. I want it to be kind of like special, if that makes sense. So I'd much rather have 300 fans and 3,000 people who don't give a shit, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. So that's where they come from. It's just grown. And Tracy invited her 8 billion friends, and that helped. Like that gave us a bit of a boost. She just went through and picked out the people she felt would would enjoy it, you know what I mean, and would be okay with it. Yeah, so that's that's how it got going. Yeah, but it's a, it's a grind when you start. It's a pain in the ass. But once once it gets going, it sort of comes very self maintaining. It's sort of easy. Yeah, I like that. But I want to dive into the shoot and the sales process in just a second. But I said in the intro that uh, you know your next big plan is to you know work six months and take six months off. Like, where did that idea come from, and is it doable? Yeah, yeah. So this is going to sound really weird. So I, I had a problem with Facebook advertising a couple of months ago where my account got hacked and um, some hackers got in there, ran this ridiculous ad where they put a budget of $20,000 a day and basically just drained my bank account. Of your money? Yeah, yeah. So they were using your money to fund those ads at $20,000 a day? Yeah. Luckily, there's only $6,000 in the account because, I, I man, I'm super lucky. Like, I've got a main trading account and then I've got this other account where all the FPOS transactions go into, which wasn't by design, by the way. I just, <laughs> when I opened the bank accounts, I buggered it up. You know what I mean? So 
luckily, the bulk of the money was in this other account and my advertising account, it was attached to a Visa debit card, which was a bad move, by the way. Use credit cards. Don't use your own money, right? Attached to our main account. And so I ran this ad and I woke up the next morning and I thought, hang on, what? this is weird. And so there was an ad for like a miracle cleaner, you know, like for cleaning stuff. And um, I looked in the account and there was this ad and there was like five receipts for $1,250 because that's what my limit was for advertising. I thought, oh, this is not good. So that took quite a while to get sorted out. Uh, I had to get, I got, I got refunded from the bank. I had to get the account. By the way, which is still closed, I ended up getting all the money back from the bank and Facebook, which is a complete mission in itself. But I kind of had this, I basically got the shits and thought, oh, this is really giving me the shits. It just seems like one thing after the other. I thought, let's go away for a good period of time. It's like, treat it like long service leave. We haven't done anything like this. Our kids are growing up now and we're going to have a really good break. Then I started thinking about it and I thought, because I can turn this on and off, this business, with advertising what we do, why not just work, you know, six or seven months of the year and take the rest of the time off? So in other words, instead of like spreading these shoots out over months, just cram them all into six months. I'm, I'm happy to work five days a week, you know, shoot five to how many shoots I can cram in. So why not just do it all in one big blob and then just go and relax and eat cheese in Europe? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so that's sort of what... That's what the plan is. So I don't know if anyone's ever done it or not, but we'll give it a go. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, we'll just go back to what we're doing. Can't hurt to try. Yeah, absolutely. What Why did you say to use credit card to pay for your Facebook or Instagram ads as opposed to your own money? It's not your money. But you've got to pay for it. If you're using a credit card, it's the bank's money. Yeah, but so how's that an advantage? Then if you get into a fight with the bank, which I did. Oh, actually, that's not true. That's not true. I didn't get into a fight. It just was very protracted then you just don't pay them. Bad luck, you know. So, you know, that's, that's, so because you're using credit money as opposed to your own money, then you can say, well, you guys fight about it. I don't care about it. You know what I mean? You just close the card and let them worry about it, and that's the end of it. Right, so get them to fight with Facebook or whoever the fraudsters were. Yeah. Let them go yeah, and chase yeah. the money. Yeah, because it's their money, you know, like, you know, because it's, it's on credit card, not, uh, not debit card. I really should have known better after all this time, but it was just more, it was just easier because everything was coming out of the account. So it was easier for accounting purposes, if you know what I mean. Just all comes up on the statement. Yeah. So yeah. So anyone listen, that's my recommendation. Use a credit card. Right. So use a credit card to pay all your accounts and then as the, uh, or for your advertising. And then once the advertising has run and it's done, you basically, you probably got 30 or 55 days to pay that credit card anyway without any interest and then pay it off. I suppose so. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. I never thought of that. Yeah. Okay, well, that makes that makes great sense. I love that, and that's true. I mean, I've had issues with my credit card in the past, and the bank always refunds you, and they go and chase the money because they want you to keep yeah. using the credit cards. Yeah, the, the problem with mine was that with that fraud claim was that it was convoluted. It wasn't a simple case of getting your card skimmed at the supermarket or something like that, or some weird online thing. It was like this whole thing because. I don't even know how they got in to this day. I still don't know how they got in. I had two-step authentication. I had a like a really complicated password, all the usual things. I think I, I think that what they did was falsify documents to gain access as ID. I think that's what happened. It, the difficulty is, as anyone who's ever tried to contact Facebook knows, there's no phone number, no email address. It's just the support is for Meta is non-existent. So. So to this day, I'm still I'm still not too sure what happened. Yeah. Wow. So did you ever, in that case, 
get to speak to a human from Meta, from Facebook? No, no, they're useless. Yeah, yeah. Never, not once. No. Wow. No. The only human I've spoken to lately is they contacted me, do you want to speak to a marketing expert? And I went, yes, I do. <laughs> and then she called me and then I started bitching to her about it. And then we kind of kind of got somewhere and then in the end I gave up and my old accounts are shut. I've got a new ad account now, which has got a limit of bugger all, but that's fine, whatever. And I'm just starting again with the advertising account. Yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. So tell me, so you run an ad and you have women respond. Do you then have a, like, is it an email follow-up sequence? Is it phone calls? Is it text messages? Like, how do you get them from the inquiry to there in front of your camera? Yeah, okay. So... I've always believed in doing things in increments. Like it doesn't matter whether you, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're selling, you know, it's like like dating, isn't it? You know what I mean? You don't just go up and say to this date, do you want to sleep with me tonight? It doesn't work that way in life. You know what I mean? So I call it salami tactics where you do it one slice at a time, which is a term I stole from that old TV show, Yes Minister, right? So I, I only say that because I think it's funny, right? So I like to do it in increments. So what happens is the lead comes in, right? So they, now I personally prefer landing pages, right? Cause I feel like a little bit better qualified than, than lead forms. And, and I know that guys like John, uh, John, um, Glazer. Yeah. Like, yeah. I couldn't think of, sorry, John. Couldn't think of your last name, mate. I know he prefers, uh, leads and that's fine. But I just, for this, I personally prefer landing page. So what happens is they fill out the form. I use Zapier. The lead goes into our CRM. Zapier spits out an email from, you can do that in Zapier. We send out an automatic email, which goes out seven minutes after they fill the form in. I don't know. I heard somewhere that seven minutes is a good amount of time. I don't know why, but I just ran with it. I'll declare it mine if it works. And then in that email, it says, thank you so much, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, please visit our website and then you'll hear from us. Hopefully you'll hear from us soon. Good luck. We hope you're one of the six or whatever we do, one of the six women. So this is for a competition style ad, is it? Or a giveaway. There's only six spots that you're giving away, six shoots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I personally do them as wanteds, like the, like this podcast calls a Bernie style ads, or I do them looking for or whatever. And I usually pick out something really specific, like you know, I'm after boudoir mums or something like that. You know what I mean? So I kind of make it really specific. And then, and so one thing that I think is worth mentioning is I don't ever mention the word giveaway or win. I say things like, you know, if you're selected, you will receive a gift certificate and things like that. I don't like that mindset. And it, it doesn't always work, of course. You ring, you know, you contact people and they still think it's a prize, but it does help a little bit. There is a slight, in my opinion, less amount of entitlement when you speak to them. So you, you hope they're going to be one of the six people that are chosen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's an automatic email. And the whole goal with that email is to get them on my website, right? Because on the website, it looks pretty cool. I did that course... Uh, with you on that and did a story brand style website. And so this is going to sound super weird, but I kind of see the website in a lot of ways purely as credibility of who you are and where you are and what you do. And I'm amazed that especially for, maybe it's the same for all of it, but certainly for Boudoir with an enormous amount of trust involved. I'm amazed how much they research you. Like I come in and I'll say things like blah, 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 blah. You think shit, wait. And then you realize they've actually read every word on your website. And Jesus Christ. Like no one, you know, so my goal is to get them on the website, right? And then what we do is we leave them for a day. We don't we don't contact them straight away. Uh, I don't want to seem too available. And then in the form, we have a compelling question, like what would a boudoir photography experience mean to you? 
And that's sort of where we do a little bit of filtering. If people don't put anything, if they just put a, a full stop in there, I don't bother, you know, because if they're not prepared to say anything, then it's going to be too difficult. Uh, but, you know, the, the typical thing is like, oh, you know, I've had two kids and, you know, I don't, I, I, you know, I feel like I've lost my confidence, all of the usual things you'd expect to hear in, in the world of boudoir. And so what happens is Tracy will then contact them by text and we don't automate that part. We'll just got, we do a copy and paste on Mac. You know how your Mac can sync to your, to your phone through that texting app thing on your phone. And we'll say, hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for your interest. We love what you said about bloop, 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 whatever they said. So it sounds personal, right? And then we say something like, look, we'd love to give you a call and explain it all to you. Can we give you either a call after three o'clock today or before 10 o'clock tomorrow morning? And that's it. And then if they reply, uh, we call them and I book them in. If they don't reply, we have an automatic email follow-up after that. And then we have a final text that goes out automatically as well as a final reminder. There's one other step in there and I can't remember what it is. I've forgotten. I love this. Just while you're thinking about that. So just tell me, let's say they, they respond to the ad. So the ad takes them to the landing page. That's where they have the questionnaire. When do you get their uh, do you get their phone number on that landing page for Tracy to send the text? Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. So good. Richard, mate, as usual, this has been a, a real pleasure, mate, to chat to you. I'm going to link to um, where people can find you on uh, online, but it's Thrive, yeah. Thrive Photography or Thrive, is it Thrive Boudoir Photography? I've got two sites. So Thrive Photography is my headshot site. Thrive Boudoir is my boudoir site. Okay, excellent. I'll link to both of those in the show notes so listeners can go and check out those testimonials, see your work, which is gorgeous, see your website, which is amazing as well, mate. Everything looks fantastic. So massive congrats and, and big thanks for coming back on and sharing what you have. Just one last thing. If you like, mate, so second of next month, my nephew who is a videographer, uh, cameraman for Channel 7, right, I bullied him into coming in and doing a, a behind-the-scenes thing. Not believe him, he offered to do it. I've got one of my old clients coming in to do a shoot and he's going to photograph, he's going to film the whole thing, then we're going to trim it down to two minutes and it's going to be like a, this is what a boobah photography session looks like. I've also ordered uh, $9,000 worth of new artwork for the walls, um, which I'm, I'm replacing everything, right? So all that will be up. So if you like, I'll send you that through because that will show you what all the um, artwork looks like. It will show you it give you a better idea visually of what the design consultation room looks like, um, all that sort of stuff. So I'll, I'll send you that after the second, if you like. Yeah, perfect. That'll be great for the listener so they can actually see exactly what you've been talking about. And uh, maybe if there's some uh, exterior shots too uh, of, the, of yeah, the studio, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right, mate, look, thank you again so much. I'm going to stop the recording now and uh, we can uh, carry on for a bit if you want. Peace out, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Richard as much as I did. Richard, if you are listening, massive thanks again for coming on, for sharing everything you did. I always enjoy speaking to you, mate. Love your point of view. Love the way you're doing business. And uh, yeah, massive congrats to you on your success. For you, the listener, if you do follow Richard, you may be aware that he's actually on holiday. The last thing I saw was a post from Portugal. He's over there with his wife, Tracy. We recorded this interview just before he left. So he really is living the dream. He's doing what he set out to do, taking time off, traveling the world, and will come back, kickstart his Facebook ads and be off and running again with his boudoir photography clients. Just amazing. So I do, again, hope you got a ton from what he had to share. If you want to 
check out some of his photos or any of the links that he mentioned or referred to. I've got all those in the show notes for today's episode. They are at photobizx.com forward slash 549. Now, if you have a follow-up question, you can hit him up there on his socials or his email via his website, which you'll find in the show notes. If you're a premium member, you will know that Richard is already part of our incredible group, the members Facebook group, and you can tag and ask Richard questions in the group. If you do have any follow-up questions or you just want to say thanks for coming on, plus if you are a premium member, make sure you check out your version of the show notes. I'll be getting that to you in an email as well, but you can find your way there, navigate your way there in or on the website because at the bottom of the show notes for your version, I've got a video that I don't believe is live on Rich's website yet that he's recorded and uh, I think it's incredible. I think it's going to really help him bring in even more clients. So go and check that out in the show notes if you are a premium member. I've got one big shout out for today's episode and this one goes to Rob Thomas in the USA. He left a Google review and he says in that review, I recently joined PhotobizX, the paid content. I became a premium member after listening to the free content for about a month or so. And I must say it is by far the best photography podcast I have ever listened to. Not only does Andrew slash PhotobizX have the best content for photographers, i.e. sales, luxury branding, CRM, email capture, marketing, and just every other facet of business side of photography. He knows how to ask the pertinent questions that I would want to ask his guests to help grow my photography business. He also says, I love how I can listen at one and a half times the normal listen rate and catch up on all the older episodes at warp speed before I joined. Plus, Andrew has a great sense of humor and an excellent Aussie accent, which makes it doubly good to listen to and enjoy. Thank you so much, Rob. Really appreciate you taking the time to leave that review in Google. I know you're currently working on your website and I'll be happy to add a backlink pointing to your website using a keyword phrase that you're looking to rank for as my little way to say thanks for taking the time to leave that review. And most of all, I really do appreciate the lovely and kind words you've posted there. It does mean so much to me and it helps other photographers find and discover the PhotoBizX podcast. So thank you. One quick reminder before we close out today's episode of the podcast, you may remember me talking about the Elevate Photography and Business Intensive with Katie and Jez of Heart Story Photography a few, well, I think it was weeks or months ago, but that's coming up in early March. It's in Canberra. It's a three and a half day intensive. You will learn all things business and shooting with Katie and Jez. It does really sound incredible if you can get to Canberra for the event. I've got more details about it in the show notes, but if you go to photobizx.com forward slash KDK, you'll get all the rundown there. Don't forget, if you do register before January 31st and use the promo code COUNTMEIN, you will get access to a very special price for the workshop, plus you'll also get a bonus 12-month premium membership for PhotoBizX. So again, there are more details at photobizx.com forward slash KDK. And if there was ever two photographers in business, walking the walk, doing what they love, who have built the incredible business they have, that open their doors to share everything with their attendees, these are the photographers I would want to go and learn from and go and see because, yeah, they really have built something incredibly special down there in Canberra. And the fact they're going to be willing to open up and share everything they do and have done to get it to where it is today, that would be invaluable, that is for sure. Plus, you will not find 
two human beings that are more passionate about photography, business, and seeing you succeed in yours as Katie and Jez. They really are a special couple. I did say that was the last announcement, but I also want to give a quick shout out to Lawrence Gibbs and Kelly Barnes from Adelaide, who I was able to catch up with while I was there last week. We had a couple of beers, talking business, talking photography at one of the most beautiful pubs in Adelaide. And it was so good to sit down and chat with these guys. If you are a premium member, you're going to see a little bit more from them because I'm going to be tagging them in a post in our group because... Kelly shared some of his incredible portfolio images of his dancers and we were discussing some options for him to grow his business down there by pursuing dance photography. So I'm going to tag him and get him to show you some of these photos. They are absolutely amazing. And then with Lawrence, he showed both Kelly and I some gifts that he had been creating for his couples or his clients. And I was gobsmacked. I was blown away. They were incredible. And I couldn't believe that he wasn't making the most of them in his marketing. So I'm going to have him share those in the group as well, or a couple of those so you can see what he's doing. Hopefully he's going to show you how to do them as well. And yeah, I I think as a marketing piece, they will be invaluable and have him standing out amongst the crowd. So, so good to catch up with both you, Lawrence and Kelly. Big thanks for coming out and catching up. And I can't wait to catch up with you guys again next year when I'm down in Adelaide. Alrighty, that is going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. Big thanks again to Richard. I hope if he is hearing this, he is enjoying himself in Portugal. Please go and check out the show notes for today's episode at photobizx.com forward slash 549, where you can see the examples of his beautiful work, a cheeky photo that he put up there for Nick Buttergig, and also links to anything and everything that he shared. It's all there in that one spot. All right, wherever you are in the world, stay safe, healthy, and well. Have a great week, and I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 